glad you're here today. Uh, as you can tell, we're running out of room at our 1030 service. Uh, and this is where the whole bunch of people in the back, our gatherings leaders, are in the back uh, today for doing, getting some training. So if they were in here, we would have no room. So we have a great option for you. We have a 12 noon service that happens around here that I would love for you to consider uh, attending, being a part of, especially as we get, uh, it's going to start moving into spring and then summer, and that 12 noon service is a great opportunity for you to spend some time with your family in the morning and get here at 12. So I want you to prayerfully consider, uh, and then some of you don't prayerfully consider, just do it, okay? Just <laughs> come over to our 12 noon service because we need some room here at 1030. We also have a 9 a.m. service as well. And man, just people everywhere today and people making fresh starts all over the place, just excited about what God's doing. Uh, I want to say uh, right off the bat, congratulations to Casey, Millison, and Mackenzie. Congratulations to y'all. So for those of you that do not know, uh, Casey has been with us from the very beginning of the hills, and she has served in every single area that you can serve in at the hills, literally. There's not an area she has not served, except for safety team, but she could take over that. I think you've done that some, too, as well. Uh, Casey is our director of operations here at the hills in charge of all of our communications, and she just literally makes the world go around. And as if she didn't have enough going on, she felt like the Lord called her to be a foster mom three years ago. Is that right? Three years ago. And Mackenzie was uh, her very first placement. And there have been other beautiful children that have come through your home as well. But there was something special about Mackenzie. And so this last week, Mackenzie became Mackenzie Millison. Check this out. Great. Let's go. Yeah. Good. I love that one. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Kristen and I tell Casey all the time that, and I'm going to tell you in front of everybody, you are our hero. We, we love you so much, and we're so thankful for you. Mackenzie, you are incredible. You're a light to all of us. And now you may be dismissed to middle school. Y'all give Mackenzie a great big hand. So glad you're all here today. Uh, are you ready for the word this morning? Well, that's not real encouraging. Let me try it again. Are you ready for the word this morning? Come on. Good. 9 a.m. spoiled me because they were fired up and ready to roll. Uh, so I, I'm glad you're here today. We're in a series called Clean Slate. How many, how many want one? How about the rest of y'all? Y'all go with the foggy mess you're dealing with right now? Just... Just scribbles everywhere, pencil erasers all over the place. I want to ask you again, how many want a clean slate? Look at what the scripture says, uh, Psalms 32 and 1. The message says, count yourself lucky how happy you must be. You get a fresh start and your slate's wiped clean. Done. Now, those of you who have been with us, you know that clean slate comes from an old, an old term that literally meant your debts had been written on a slate and once they were paid, your debts were erased, hence the term clean slate. And that is the essence of the gospel, is that you and I had a debt that we could not pay, but he came, and by his death, burial, resurrection, the blood of Jesus Christ, our slate has been wiped clean. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week. Really, if you want to have short church, that's all we got to get is that right there. 
And if we could grab hold of that, that would help us live life fuller and more abundant. And it would sure make us more forgiving of other people. Can I hear an amen? Second Corinthians 5.17 has been a passage that we've been diving into the past several weeks. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's the word we've been really keying in on, new creation. Because that is what God is after about making us New. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I would encourage you to go back and listen or watch the messages over the past several weeks because we talk about what it means to become a new creation. Number one, you got to be in Christ. It's great that you have Christ in you, but he, he wants us to get more into him in Christ. And that's where real transformation starts happening. That word transformation uh, really comes from a, a Greek word that means metamorphosis. It's what the caterpillar goes through to become the butterfly. How many would say that there's a big difference between the two? Yeah. Caterpillars are just gross, right? Just nasty gross. They crawl around on the ground. They have very limited eyesight. Matter of fact, they can only see what's right in front of them. And they eat everything in sight. They just eat, 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 eat. How many of that sounds like your life right there? <laughs> it's a consumer mindset. It's got to have me, 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 my, 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 my. I want more, 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 more. But after they go through the transformation or the metamorphosis, now they go from crawling on the ground to flying. Not just one set of wings, two sets of wings. And now they go from having limited eyesight to now have, being able to see a natural light and an ultraviolet light. They can see things that nobody else can see. Am I talking to anybody today? They go from just surviving to now all they're thinking about is reproducing the next generation after them. You see the difference there? You can have Christ in you and still be a caterpillar. Still just crawling around. So if your life, if you say, well, I gave my life to Jesus and I'm still crawling around. You have not submitted to the transformation process. But if you really want to be a new creation, you got to get into Christ. And it looks like a cocoon. Many times. How many know what it's like to be in a cocoon? You know what the caterpillar does? It melts in the cocoon. It's hanging upside down, twisting by the wind, melting. Everything's just falling apart. Does that sound like your life at any point? But, it, but that's the hope of getting into Christ. Well, how do I get into Christ? I'm glad you asked. You get into Christ by getting into his word, getting into his presence in worship and in prayer, by getting into his body. Why do you think we, we really encourage you to give and to serve and to get into gatherings and small groups? That's not because we need you to do that. It's because you need to do that. That's how you get into Christ, and that's where new creation starts happening. So first of all, in Christ. Secondly, old things have passed away. You've got to say bye-bye to some stuff. You've got to get rid of some stuff. Matter of fact, if you don't make room, you're not going to have any miracles. Write this down. Miracles happen in the margin. So if you're asking God, give me more, and you're already packed to the brim, he's just not going to do it. You've got to make some room, give some stuff up, say goodbye to some things so that God can pour out his blessings upon you. Some of us are praying for abundant life, and we can't handle the life we got right now. 
Give me more territory. Clean the car you have, okay? Take care of that. That was kind of back to me on that one a little bit. Okay. Sorry, just preached to myself a minute. Old things passed away. Everybody say all. all. Not just some. Right? All things have become new. God does not want to just bring newness to a couple areas of your life. He doesn't want you to say, take care. He wants all things have become new. And that word new is important, not patched up. I grew up in Mississippi where we use Bondo a lot. Anybody, how many do not know what Bondo is? Raise your hand. Google that mess when you get home, okay? Bondo is literally, if you have a hole in your fender, you put Bondo on it. You sand that thing down and you paint it, all right? It looks new. It ain't new. You hit that thing you're poking around on, it's going to be another hole there, okay? That's not what God does. God does not want to take the areas of your life and put spackling on it and duct tape that thing. God wants to make them new. Because God is not your maintenance man. He's not. God, at His essence, is a creator. Here's what He says in Revelations 21 and 5. Then He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He is a creator. That's what He does. Can He fix you? Yes. Can He father you? Yes. Can He mend you? Yes. But if you want to see God do his best work, and I do, I don't know about y'all, but I do. If you want to see God do his best work, let him get to creating. And look at how he created in the beginning. The first thing he does is he uses the most powerful thing that God has, his words. Think about what we base our entire life and belief system on. What? Say his word. His word. We base it on the word of God. It's the most powerful thing that he has. His word. And that's what he used at the beginning. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. How many of you have had the daylights knocked out of you by something somebody said? How many are still reeling from it right now? You've still been 18 years later and you're still walking around like this because of something someone said to you one time. Just me? Okay. Okay. How many of you have felt the greatest you've ever felt feel like more encouraged than ever. I feel like I can do anything because of the words that someone said to you. There's power in the words. How much more power does God have? And that's what he chose to use when he created. He didn't delegate it to an angel. He said, I'm going to take care of this. And then after he spoke it and there was, then it came time for him to make us man and woman. And the scripture says at that point, even his words weren't powerful enough. He started using his hands then. He spoke life into the earth. He spoke light. He spoke the creatures. But when it came to you and to me, God got his hands dirty. And he knelt down in the dust and began to pull this form together. And he created Adam. And then he knelt even closer and he breathed the breath of life into him. God is a creator. The greatest songwriter that ever lived is a man named David. And he wrote it this way. Look at this, Psalms 139 and 13. For you created, everybody say created. Created. All y'all didn't say it. Come on. Everybody say created. created. You created me in, you created my inmost being. 
You knit me together in my mother's womb. All right, stop. Hold up. Look at that. Look at that. Do you see that? Can you imagine God just knitting you together? How many of y'all like to knit? That's what I thought, like four of you. God bless y'all and all, but I hate that mess, okay? Be knitting around just to, yay, just throw that thing, because it's just take, I bet y'all like to put puzzles together too, don't y'all? Mm-mm. Don't invite me to your puzzle party. Hate them. Can't stand them. We're going to light a fire. We're going to put a thousand-piece puzzle. I'm going to tell you what's going to fire that fire up real quick. About a thousand pieces going in it, just like that. Can't handle it. God, on the other hand, instead of saying, you, be done. There you are. Boom. You're a creek. God knit. Every little tapestry, the thread. Can you imagine God doing that for you? And you complain about the size of your nose? You don't like your personality? And God knitted you and stepped back and looked. And, mm, that's good. Let's try this over here. And he created you exactly the way you needed to be to do exactly what you needed to do. And the headlines are splashed this week about the value of a baby. And he knitted those babies in his, their womb. Life is from God. Hear what I'm saying? Life is from God. It is holy. From birth to death, that is what we believe. We are not a political church. We're just, we're just not that kind of church. Uh, we're not one of those churches that jumps up and down and holds signs. But at some point, we have to say some things, and we believe in the value of human life. We also, we also believe that the same God that gave life in the beginning gives new life all over again. Now, can I get an applaud on that one? And there are people in this room right now that when they splash those headlines, that you remember mistakes that you made. Some of the worst decisions that you ever made, and you were tormented by those decisions. There are people in this room right now that have had a terrible week because of the torment that this has caused for you. David, who wrote that exact passage of Scripture, you created me in my inmost being, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. The same David made atrocious mistakes. Not mistakes. He thought about it and did it. He took another man's wife and then he, to hide it, he took that man and sent him to the front lines of battle and told all everybody else to back up and leave him stranded out there. How many agree that's bad right there, right? That's what he did. And yet, when David, at his point of repentance, when he began to write, the same writer that wrote, you created me, wrote these words in Psalms 51 and 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit in me. I wonder if those psalms had the same tune. I wonder if when he was writing one, he was thinking about 
the other one. I wonder if when he was writing about God hand making him, he was also thinking about the day that he made his worst mistake and how God gave him a new heart and a new spirit and a clean life all over again. Because the same God that creates life in a mother's womb is the same God that can give you new life here today. Same power. I love that David doesn't say, patch up my heart. Bring that back up for me. Psalms 51. I love he doesn't say, patch my heart up. Can you give me a bypass? Because I ate too many Fritos and this one's clogged up. He said, what does he say? It's right there, y'all. What does he say? Create. Because David knew that God does his best work when he's creating. Here's what I believe today. I believe that there are people in this room that are going to walk out of here with a new heart. It's been my prayer all week. Chris and I took a little time this week and got away for a few days. And as we were having some rest time and, and reconnecting time, I kept praying about today. And I kept hearing the Lord say, I'm going to give some folks a new heart. I'm going to do a heart transplant. I'm going to take the heart they have and give them a heart they always wanted. You know why the heart is so important? Because everything starts with the heart. If you're taking notes, write that down. Everything starts with the heart. Do you know that the first organ formed in an embryo is the heart? I know you thought it was your massive brain, but it's not. (laughs) It starts with the heart. Because once the heart is formed, then everything flows from that. So every other part of your body was created because of what was coming out of that heart. Here's what the scripture says in Proverbs 4 and 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance. One translation is guard it. For from it flows the springs of life. Your heart, everything about your heart is what permeates everything about your life. That is why the great commandment, you're going to love the Lord your God, it starts with the heart. And you shall love the Lord your God, Mark 12 and 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You ever wondered why it starts with the heart? Now, most of us, when we say, I'm going to bring that back up for me. Most of us say, I'm going to make a change in my life. How many had some resolutions this year? Come on, y'all. How many have had some resolutions this year? How many have already failed on them? Just keep your hand up. Messed up on some of them, you know. Most of us, when we make a resolution, it has to do with that last word. Strength, right? I'm, I'm going to have more willpower this year. I'm going to be stronger, I'm going to say no. Or I'm going to to make a stronger yes, I'm going to be all in. It's all about that strength. But I can tell you this, you're never going to be strong enough if you don't first give Him your heart. Because every other thing in your life flows from that. Your heart means your passions, it means your desires. It's the things that you crave, that you want The scripture says in Mark 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many would agree with me that our willpower is strong? 
I'm not talking about your willpower when you want to eat chocolate, you know, and then you, I don't, I'm not going to eat you just like that. I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about the human will. It's strong, isn't it? We're going to the moon. And guess what? Went to the moon. We're going to solve this. We're going to take care of that. You have that same kind of power. If you want something, you're going to get it. Can I hear an amen? Somebody, yep. I want that. (laughs) If you really want it, you're going to do everything you can to get it. And so we spend our life following after our desires. And that gets us in all kinds of problems. Because the issue is the heart is bad. Look at what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 17 and on. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Good Lord, and desperately wicked. Man, that's bad. And then he goes on and says, who really knows how bad it is? And yet you hear people say all the time, just follow your heart. No, don't do that. (laughs) Do not. Really bad choice. I got any witnesses in this room who have followed your heart at 90 miles an hour into a brick wall? Just say, I'm coming after you, baby. Whack, just done. <laughs> and that's why God wants to give you a new one. Listen to me. Well, I've been a believer for a long time. Yeah, but is your heart new? I'm not talking about your soul. I'm not talking about your mind. I'm talking about your heart. Check your heart, okay? Your heart. I'm talking about this thing in you that drives everything you do. It's why you save. It's why you spend. It's why you love. It's why you... What what are you passionate about? Has it been made new? Have you really taken it and given it over to God? Because if not, I could preach clean slate for two more years. And it's just not going to happen in your life until you say, okay, I'm done with me holding on to this. There's a great scripture that says, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. The reason is because the enemy, that's the two things the enemy goes after. He goes after your heart, your emotions, your passions, and he goes after your mind. Amen? Nobody stays awake at night because of your soul. Come on, it's all about your heart and your mind. Most people are not laying awake going, I wonder what my soul is doing now. Most people are laying awake because you're worried and this. It's not, so you notice it doesn't say it guards your soul and your strength. It guards your heart and your mind. It's important. But you can, God will only guard what He owns. All right, I'm going to say that again, okay? Guard, God, guard me again. I'm going to attempt to say that again. God will only guard what He owns. Otherwise, it's up to you. So I'm going to ask you today, and we, you've, if you've been around any kind of, of Christianity, you've heard this. Give Jesus your heart. Right? Have you given Him your heart? And it becomes elementary, it becomes kind of mundane, kind of become a... Christianese thing we say. But I want to ask you today, have you really given Jesus your heart? 
what you're passionate about, what you crave, what you desire. As I prayed this week, I saw hearts that were beating, but they were dark, just dark. There's sin, there's wickedness. And I want to talk to you for just a moment. For those of you that have committed sins and are committed sins, and there's, there's wickedness attached to you. And maybe you feel like that you've done too much and gone too far. You feel like there's no hope for you. And yet Hebrews 10 tells us that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that our hearts are cleansed. Look at me. Did you hear that? All it takes is for me to put my faith in Him and my heart is cleansed. Look at what Isaiah said, 1 and 18, come now, let's settle this. Man, I love that. Your kids ever been in an argument? You know, hey, let's settle this once and for all, right? You don't even have to, I'm daddy, so y'all shut up, okay? That settled it right there. This is what, this is what God says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as well. That's a word for someone here today. That you feel like you've made too many mistakes. You feel like your sins are too great. Here's what I'm telling you. All it takes is for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ and to hand it over to Him and He's going to make you white as snow. For some today, your heart is broken. You have a broken heart. I've been in ministry for over 30 years. Chris and I together for for 26 years. And there's been two times in my life that I literally heard someone's heart break. It's the saddest. You can just hear it. Just a snap of just rejection and loss. And how could they? How? I love them. I trusted you. I trusted you, God. And this... And then I've heard it just, just this snap. And that is the hardest sound for any pastor to hear, for any parent to hear, for any lover to hear. The heart being broken. Because your question is, what do we do now? How do we ever take what has been... And then because of that, the numbness sets in. The loneliness sets in. And... You feel like, and you start feeling away, pulled away. How many know what I'm talking about? Am I talking? We live in Nashville. There's some broken-hearted people here. Come on. <laughs> you start being pulled away from relationships, pulled away from, and you feel pulled away from God. Like what? There's a passage of Scripture I want to read to you. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. Psalms 34 and 18. Look at this. The Lord is close to the broken-hearted. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You feel like that your broken heart makes God want to run away. Instead, it makes him want to run to you. Whose spirits are crushed, not broken, crushed. That Hebrew word crushed literally means to be ground up like powder. 
Some of you feel like that's your heart right now. It's just been broken, beat down, smushed again, and then they put it through a meat grinder. Let's grind this thing up. You know that's exactly what the enemy wants you to feel like? That's exactly. Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan wants to have you. He wants to sift you like wheat. The enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So you feel like the fact that you've been ground up and brushed off to the side that God's forgotten about you. Instead, the scripture says that he's close to you and he comes near to those that have a crushed spirit. And what you're doing is you're over in the corner, crushed and broken and dusty, And you see all the people that have it together. The relationships, the walk with God, social media. Can I just get a little head nod? You ain't got an amen real loud, just a little head nod. And you look at them and you go, that's who God's after. And you know what's really happening? While they're doing this thing, all right and figured out, selfies, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Getting it figured out, coming to church on time and all this. God's over in the corner looking for dust. Scooping it up. You know why God's attracted to dust? Raise your hand if you want to know. How about the rest of y'all? Y'all are hungry? Raise your hand. You, want, why is, you know why God's attracted to dust? Because it reminds him of the first time he met Adam. Didn't have to remodel Adam. Didn't, didn't have to break anything down. Didn't have to add an addition. Just started forming right away. Could it be that the things that have happened in your life, the brokenness, the crushing, is all about getting you to a place that God could mold you the way He really wants you to be? And thirdly, the people that I prayed for this week are those that just have a hard heart. Hard heart. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So how many of you know a hard-hearted person? Just nod your head. How many of you are a hard-hearted person? Just nod your head. <laughs> they get a bad rap, don't they? That's a, he's hard-hearted. You know what makes a heart hard? That's what makes a heart hard. Just been beat on, bruised, beat up. The reason a heart becomes hard because that person goes... My daddy hit me. You ain't going to hit me. I had a church reject me. You're not going to reject me. I had somebody break my heart. You're not breaking my heart. And so, start putting up the armor, putting up the walls. Nobody getting in here. And yet, the scripture clearly states, Ezekiel 36 and 26. Look at this. I will give you a what? A new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Let me illustrate it for you. What God wants to do for those who have a hard heart, He doesn't want to take out the jackhammer. He doesn't want, I don't know what that jackhammer sounds like, but it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't want to beat on that. He just wants to reach in and just take that out give you another. Pretty cool, wasn't it? No. I worked on that all week, that one. Can we do it again? There's not one there, sweetheart. Okay, it's not. 
But he wants to take what is hard and stony and doesn't move well. And he wants to take it and just not fix it. Take it out and just replace it with a heart of flesh that beats and gives life. Man, does that sound good to anybody but me? I want that. Close your eyes. I want to pray for you today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I feel you close right here, right now. And I know that's because there are brokenhearted people in this room. And you're bending down. Let them feel your breath on them today, Jesus. For those, Lord, that have made mistakes, that have sinned against you, let them know that they're not too far. For those, God, that have put up walls and defenses, let them know that they can trust you. I thank you, Lord, for the life change that's going to happen here this morning. For the hearts that are going to be changed. If today you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ and have Him replace it with a brand new one. Whether you've never prayed that prayer before, but today you want to confess that He is your Lord and Savior. Or if you've, you've been a believer, but you, you've maybe never really given Him all of your heart. Or you're one of those three that I've described. It's, it's dark, it's hard, it's broken. And today, you want a fresh start with Jesus Christ, with no one looking around. And as a sign of faith, as a sign of obedience, I want you just to raise your hand up really high and hold it up there. Come on, up high, really high. All over the room, hands going up. Come on, right there. Yes, hands high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, put your hand down. Open your eyes. Stand up. I know that's three quick things in a row, but I think you can do it. Come on, stand up. Now, I want, you to, I want you to answer me this. How many of you believe in the supernatural power of Jesus Christ? All right, put your hand down. How many of you believe that when these folks that raise their hand pray this prayer, that something supernatural is going to take place? I want you to hear what I'm saying. This is not a custom we do at the end of service because it's what we do. If so, we could shave off a couple of minutes and go eat early, okay? We do this because we believe that people are completely, they're changed right here by a word of faith. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and He is going to forgive you and set you free. So with that in mind, I want you to raise your right hand all across the room, every single person in the room. And I want you to repeat after me, Jesus Christ, come on, Son of God, I confess that I am a sinner I confess that you are Lord. And today, I make you Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin and my selfishness of trying to do it on my own. Today, I hand it over to you, my heart, for what it's worth. And I ask for you to give me a new heart and a new spirit. 
cover me with your blood. Fill me to overflowing. I thank you for abundant life beginning right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, shout amen.